up, everyone? Coming to you from the living room today. You got Matt and Tyler and our good buddy, Greg Pratt. Greg, happy Monday. How was your weekend? It was pretty good, man. There's just a lot of work, and I saw Tyler a little bit this weekend, too. Oh, I'm so you sorry. You see me. I, did, I thought I did see you. No, I was out of town this weekend, but Oh, no, you weren't. Maybe yeah. that was the weekend before. Yeah, Tyler, you, you Tyler, saw me on Wednesday. It all kind of strings together. That's when you saw me on Wednesday. Dude, doesn't, it, it, doesn't it all string together? That's something I said when I first moved down here was, like, all the days just, like, well, you, also, you lose track my, of time. my work week starts on Thursday, so that's, I guess... My weekend's Tuesday and Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. You saw me That's Wednesday. Was, yeah. yeah, yeah. And my work week starts on Wednesday usually and mm-hmm. ends on Sunday. Yeah, dude. It's uh it's crazy. I mean you you dig quite a bit downtown. I mean, when I say quite a bit, I mean I mean a lot. Like mm-hmm. you you're you're hustling and bustling and doing doing the thing. Now originally you're from Tennessee, you are a Tennessee boy, but West Tennessee, which is mm-hmm. quite a bit different it's from a Nashville. Bit different. Just a yeah. little So you're from would you would you say Memphis? Is that yeah, your hometown? It's, a, it's uh, right outside of Memphis. So I know uh, if we had a house in, in Millington that I don't remember and then uh I uh, spent a lot of time in Germantown and then East Memphis and and yeah, so it was, it was a good time. It's, it's spending about eighteen years growing up there. Um, it's changed a lot, about as much as Nashville's changed too. Since because I know Memphis used to be uh, a lot bigger than Nashville too. Yeah, yeah, that was all like money got, came in and started pumping in. Yeah, that was like a huge. It was a huge music. I mean, it still is. I mean, it still been, got that richness. It's uh, yeah, it's not it's not Nashville though. No, nah. not anymore. Yeah. So what made you want to make the jump from being in a music city in Memphis to coming to the music city in Nashville. Well, so I, I went to University of Alabama first. Roll then, Tide. Yeah, roll God tide. damn it. You're giving him a reason to say it. He says it every goddamn episode. He's like, roll Tide, Roll Tide, Roll Tide, Roll Tide. Um, but uh, came back to help mom and dad retire. And then I was in school in Memphis for a while, too, at uh, the University of Memphis. And then... Uh, yeah, I was like one credit away from graduating, and I moved out here. <laughs> yeah, it's just when you gotta go, you gotta go. I guess. What, what was your major? Um, so it started out um, growing up. It, it, the big thing. So both my parents are doctors, so they really um, in the beginning. I ended up going in with my dad growing up and helping him out, and um, whether it was uh, doing stuff in his clinic or surgery and stuff, and and uh, kind of put me on the track. And then I didn't really want to do that, so. Um, next best thing was film. So I was doing film and, um, and it wanted to be acting for a while, but then I, I enjoyed like the filming process and the editing process more. And then, um, I don't know. I started playing gigs in Memphis. It was actually Skylar Anderson. No shit. Who, who was, he got me on Instagram when I was starting doing these, these home music movie kind of things where I was sitting there and you doing your covers and stuff. Cause I knew I didn't really know any. So, uh, I mean, it's still something you do today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. We just, I send out a um, a little, I guess, a, a story post, and everybody we get tons of requests that come in, and yeah. I, I pick four every month. And um, but he uh, he sent me a message on Instagram, and he said, "Hey, come out to uh, South Haven and play a show with me." I was like, "I don't know how to do that." He's like, "Just bring your guitar." I was like, "All right, cool." So I showed up, and I sat in a seat, and I looked at the ground, and only play the songs I had written which you know they weren't very good at the time um <laughs> and uh for some reason they liked it um but i literally sat in a seat and looked at the ground and sang and it was yeah it was it was a little weird um but then i started doing a bunch of shows with skylar at uh in south haven and kind of moving around with him and then so he's well, yeah he's the first guy that ever put me up on a stage too 
Wow, and Skyler's a good buddy of ours that we've yeah. we have that we've had on this podcast and stuff. So mm-hmm. he's always said that there's something about that West Tennessee in the Memphis or in the Mississippi in the Arkansas circuit that people like their music out there's, there. Yeah, there's some soul out there for sure. Yeah, yeah, there's some some good soul. There's good some, pickers too. Yeah, good, really good guitar yeah. pickers. Which, which for you, some of your some of your music when I mm-hmm. first heard you. So I moved down here in October of last year, and um, that first night when I, I drove. 13, 14 hours, my little brother, and we were like, our, we saw that our buddy Dave Hangley, who's from Jersey. We're, I love we're, we're, Dave. Uh, I love yeah, Dave. Oh, I love Dave, too. He's one of the reasons I moved down here, and <laughs> I saw that he was playing around at Frisky Frogs, and I saw two other names that he was playing with. I saw Paul Neck, and I saw Greg Pratt. I'm like, oh, let's go check these boys out, and I'm like, we literally got out of the car, hopped in ca- hopped in the car with Dakota, who's running late, by the way, yeah. Dakota Bear, um, <laughs> and went up to Frisky Frogs, and I got to see you pick a guitar, mm. and that freaking picket on uh, I think it was Little Devil was yeah, the one. That, that's a good time, man. For, for you, what's Tennessee? Is that something that's big as like the, I don't want to say bluegrass, but like that style with the I guitar picking? Um, I know. So I never took a guitar lesson. I remember I that guitar right there is actually the one I took out of the case when I was a kid. These are my dad's. Okay. Um, it's like a 19, I think it's a 1970 uh, guild um, yeah, big body. Uh, so that was it's, golden air of guild. It's it's like when I, when I took it to the guitar center. He's like, "Do you understand what you have here?" Like, yeah, was, for real. My dad's guitar. Can you fix it? He's like, "Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah." It's like so, I, I was. That was the first thing I ever put my hands on. And I it <coughs> it was kind of like I hadn't really gotten there yet. My dad's not a. My dad would pick around just for fun, and he'd do more folky stuff. Yeah. Um, but um, I got this ovation. Instead, and that thing that thing hurt my fingers. <laughs> Starting to learn, but I just the way I play guitar, I know with the with the percussion and the and the the licks. There's a little bit of bluegrassy stuff, but I never um, took a lesson or anything like that. I learned how to do how to read tabs, and then really, it's it was trial and error over ten years, just screwing around with it, um, and then it ends up being this this cool kind of percussion percussive thing um, that. Uh, I mean, I don't know. It's it was it was kind of a literally just messing around with it over a long period of time. And like I know, like seeing your live show all the time and stuff. Like with you, it helps out a lot because a lot of times it's you or it's you and one other guy. Mm-hmm. And so whenever it fills you're playing, out the room, yeah, yeah, it fills out the room and it allows you to be more uh, more dynamic in your music. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know you always have the little tambourine thing on your foot. Man, when I first got that yeah, thing, yeah, I was I, like, yeah, what's the story I, with that? Because so I don't I, see that I, a lot. I was, I saw it in guitar center. I was like, there's no way. Because I never thought about that. I just did the boom thing, and it they'd mix it in, and it'd be this like drum kick, which is pretty cool. Filled out a room pretty nice, but that was it. And then I started doing that and doing it in a seat. I was like, I can't stand up with this thing. So I sat and I started doing that and when i first did it there was a guy i was playing with or playing music with it uh because we were both uh bouncers at benchmark yeah which is that's how i started playing down on broadway was because i started playing at benchmark first after bouncing with this with this guy um and he was a really really big guy and i was just the the little little kind of guy that always went to the gym and i went to, you know it's kind of like me and Matt, except for Matt doesn't out. go to the gym. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize you were a bouncer, though. That's pretty yeah, it bad. Was, it was more of a door guy, but, yeah, we had to throw. The worst thing is <laughs> when this our, – our, uh, our manager slash head bartender, would he would get drunk on the job a little bit, and he'd – 
he took this, he got tipped 20 bucks by this guy to take the water faucet or the water thing and spray the hell out of this like 350 pound solid muscle guy. Looked like he played defensive line for the freaking Rams. And this guy puts both of his big burly arms on the bar and is ready to kill this guy. Yeah. And, and, and he looks at us and he's like, get him out. We're like, good luck, dude. Like, yeah. how are we going to get this guy out of here? So it, if we ended up having to like get one of his big old friends to, to move him out, but he's by, he's by far the, the hugest guy in the bar. He could have, he could have, he would have killed that bartender had he like launched a cross. So, so you were a door guy. Yeah. Door guy. And I, I did have to throw some people out. Yeah. But, which is, which is what I'm doing a lot. I've yeah. started to learn the art of catching fake IDs. Oh, it's, and, um, that's see, cause there's some good ones too, though. There's there some, are, yeah. there are, yeah. and then there's also IDs that are real IDs that have really shitty pictures yep. that make you think that it's they're fake, fake, and they're not. I had that happen three <laughs> days yesterday, three days, third, three times yesterday. I had that happen, where I, uh, where I saw, and I had Dakota, Dakota Bear, who we're still waiting on, by the way. Uh, he's he's got a book of like 250, <laughs> almost 300 IDs at home. That's insane. That he's collected from his time at Rippy's and where we work <laughs> now over at Whiskey Row. So uh, that's pretty cool. I had no idea you did the match. It totally makes sense, though. Yeah, because it's, it's a, it was a good day when when I could kind of like put that up and and just do music. That's a, that's a yeah. When so when good. so when did that happen? Um, well, we started playing at Benchmark, and it was it's like I pay you fifty bucks, four hour set. You run your own sound, and it's like old. I think they've upgraded it as of now. Um, I haven't been back in there in a while, but I remember I walked in now. Working with the guys at uh, what is it is with Highwire. I went to the main road. It was when Crazy Town was just opening up. Oh wow! Yeah, that's uh. So I I walked in there and the first guy I met was Bo, <laughs> and he's he go, he goes looks at me, I was like hey yeah I'm looking for her, or uh, whoever the it was a uh, Matt is who I was looking for yeah and he goes you a musician it's like what he's like can you pull a singing rabbit out of your hat I was like um I don't know. Uh, and he, he's like, come on back. And we walk over through him to Wannabe's um, back when it was collect, or connected to Luigi's. And <laughs> he goes he goes up to Matt and he's like, hey, um, I got a musician for you. And he, then he looks at me and he goes, can you pull a singing rabbit out of your hat? I was like, man, I don't think so. But but uh, I don't have the right hat on today. Or I said something like that. He's like, all right. So that's how I ended up starting to work. And we started getting booked at, uh, at Crazy Town then. And then that's kind of... Um, I got shuffled around to Tequila Cowboy and Luke's and Jason's and FGL and so pays the bills, man. Hey, dude, yeah. it really does. And people always talk about this stigma that comes with playing on Broadway and well, stuff. Well, it used to be Broadway yeah. used to be a very different place. I know there's probably not a lot of people scouting down there right now, but if you do it right, I think the the way to do it is to get your merch together to get get. Like I have that banner that goes up, tells yeah. everybody, direct the traffic. You got to look at it like a business because you can yeah. grassroots there because um, it's like a mini world tour. There's people coming from all over the world. Yep. So you get a, a sample of the entire world there. They have pretty high expectations, but at the same time, you know they all came from music. But you can get people following you there by just presenting a place to follow you and then when they follow that direct them to the music and you, if you run it like a small business then you can you can make a living and grow your following I mean it's only got you the 32,000 followers on Instagram Yeah you've got you've got a pretty decent following built up now when where what's a a place where you're like holy shit I can't believe they listen to my music there kind of thing like, There's been some there was a a girl that keeps messaging in and she she's 
been to Nashville once, <laughs> but I don't think she ever saw me. But she bought a tank off of the uh, of the website too, because apparently her friend came down and and this girl's always posting stuff um, in the Greg Pratt uh, or like tagging. Uh, Greg Pratt Country on Instagram. Yeah. And uh, so there's places like that. There's some people in UK, a few people in Australia. Um, I think it's a, a big group by the Gold Coast down there or something. Um, and then I did get, um, there's been some activity, man, from India, Japan, like when you're looking at it and it's like people that, that'll message in and say, hey, I know you don't know me, but I like your music and and that's you know it's kind of neat how it spreads. They come down yeah. and they see that banner and they take it or they buy some merch and they take it home with them. Then they tell all their friends and then you're like, man, I, you know, you have no idea how your stuff got to that corner of the world. But it's I mean it's pretty cool. It's the definition yeah. of grassroots right yeah. there, which is which is so cool. Now, so we talk about in mean, this podcast about songwriting. So mm-hmm. writing. How old were you when you wrote your first song? Jeez, um, I actually so. I I guess I need, need to talk about it at all. Guitar I've been kind of doing a while, trial trial and error over about ten years. Um, singing I didn't start till right before I moved to Nashville, which is the year before I moved to Nashville. Now about five years ago, and I started singing, and that's when I met Skylar. Um, but uh, as far as songwriting, I came. I probably wrote my f- first song around that time. I hadn't really written anything yet because uh, you know, I, I was kind of mixed up in the in the fraternity life and I was running all that and I was a fraternity president for three years for KA. Um, okay, and it, that's a lot of that's like yeah. that's not a lot of partying. That's a, a lot of babysitting and and uh, and raising sure money. Nobody for, doesn't do something stupid. For MDA a and lot, lot of groundwork. A lot but of groundwork. Yeah. With but it's like that, that kind of takes up a lot of your time. It's super fulfilling. It was awesome. The stuff they teach was really really cool. Um, <laughs> but it's. You you understand about people management a lot when you're you're in charge of basically eighteen to twenty two year olds, and you have to make them or encourage them to listen to you without a payroll. Yes. So that's that's hard. Or they're, or they're <laughs> actually buying into it. You're not. You're not. They're not getting money. They're, they're paying. Yeah, yeah. They're they have paying to do that. And they have to be like, all right, we have to do this. Why? Because it's the right thing to do, and we have to do it. And that's it. So it's like I, I can't I don't give you I can't give you a paycheck so and that's it's it's weird that being a manager at a job um, and I've, there have been several United States generals that have that have said that too about that kind of situation is is how do you get people to to work for you without you know payment and it, because it's the right thing that's that's tough to do so yeah but um yeah the songwriting happened right after I after my time there. Pretty much, and it was there was I was just really I didn't have any kind of mentors there. There was a guy when I got to town. I brought I got encouraged to work with this guy called Mark Allen Barnett, um, who, who teaches a bunch of people. He has this awesome song called uh, it's "Tables and Chairs," and the hook is uh, is uh, sometimes it feel like well, how's it go? Um, <clears throat> uh, sometimes it feels like I'm playing for tables and chairs. Um, what Ooh. they see, what they see three hours a night is a tortured soul laid bare, but sometimes it feels like I'm playing for, t- it's like the songwriter's anthem. Yeah. It's yeah, awesome. Yeah. But, uh, he, I brought a bunch of my songs to him and he wasn't that much. He was, wasn't that kind of hack and slash down about it, but he's like, listen, do you like, cause I was writing a lot of stuff that resembled the bro country stuff at the time. Yeah. Um, 
And he's like, is this what you like to hear? Like, what did you grow up with? So I grew up with, with anywhere from the Eagles to Johnny Cash, a little bit of, a little bit of Alabama and, and, uh, then some rock. He's like, well, then write what the heck you want to write. And then I started doing stuff like that. And that's where that first project country music taught me how to love you. Um, what a moment really means, um, songs that I wrote that, um, the the moment when I just said there was a lady that came in with a because she had heard the song she came in with this tattoo, her and her daughter, and uh, they had a tattoo across the forearm and it had the lyrics to the song and cherry blossom on it. I might I might play it today, um, and uh, she uh, she came in and showed me and I showed my <laughs> took a shot a screenshot of it and I showed my mom I was like mom this song apparently touched this woman and her daughter enough to where they engraved it on their body. She's like, what is this? Go to back to college. <laughs> Go get your own so, class. Yeah. But, um, it's, it's, a uh, songwriting is a journey and I don't think you ever really have it down and you definitely have your ups and downs. You have your blocks. You, um, when you finally discover the beauty of co-writing and then finding a crew that, you know, you can really write with and, and hit it out of the park every time. There's a, a songwriter in town that I know everybody really needs to look at. Uh, called His name is Davis Corley, um, and that guy is great. Same thing with Josh Wolf. Josh, Josh Wolf actually bartends at Luke's, too. Really? Um, he wrote, uh, we wrote Different Strings together with David Cleek. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I want to talk about that song because that song to me was like, that was a moment, again, for, for one of the first songs that I heard being gay after moving to Nashville, literally hours after getting out of the car. <laughs> and, I, and I hear you pull that out. And I'm just, I was sitting with um, Nicole, who works no. over at Whiskey Row. And she just, she taps me on the shoulder when you said, that's the song you're going to play. And she um, she's like, just sit back and listen to this. This is a good one. And I'm like, oh shit, I'm, I'm oh, gearing yeah, up. I love and, her. And, um, and listening to different strings, that song is just such a such a deep song. It, it's a it's a catch to you. It's just, it really seems like it comes from the heart so what was the story behind that one um so it was kind of like again both my mom and dad are doctors so and they in the beginning i i don't think they might not have wanted me to be a doctor so much as but you still i know it's it's inherent for a parent to get a to get an idea for their child as he's you know sometimes before he even comes out and it's kind of um, again, I would go in with my dad in surgery all the time. I would help him when he did rounds. Um, one funny story there is <laughs> there was this 90-year-old lady who kept dislo- re- dislocating her leg at the hip at the nursing home. They thought that she was being abused or something. And she just wanted to come back because my dad was Hugh Hefner with ladies um, over 70. Like oh, they all, wanted, okay. they all have wanted to see him. They're like, I just want to see Mr. Pratt. He's just, he's just so nice looking. So <laughs> at this time, I look like my dad, like like a young version of my dad. And he brings me in, and he's, he just, he, I don't know if he planned it all, but it definitely it turned out like um, he, he's. This lady had just gone under anesthesia, and he's like, "All right, Greg, take this t- towel." And so this lady was a about, mm, I think she was like ninety one. Um, he's like, "All right, so you're gonna." Lightly hold hold her down at her pelvis while while she's out, and I'm going to relocate her leg through fluoro through the fluoroscope to to relocate that hip joint. Yeah. So he does it, and he's he's I I'm knowing my dad, 
he was probably he was probably knew exactly where that was going because it goes pop relocates and she kind of jolts up through the anesthesia and looks at me. She's like, "What's your name?" <laughs> and my dad is dying behind the fluoroscope, and I'm like, "Come on, man!" I, it, then it all kind of dawns on me. Anyways, um, but we uh, we were sitting down, me, Josh, and David at this table, and we were thinking about what to write and everything. Um, I think it was like. No, it was our first writing session we'd ever sit down together, I'm pretty sure. Wow. And, and I said, you know, I, want, I always thought about, you know, wanting to sing this song kind of for people. And it, again, that's, that's my, story, the, my story in a nutshell. And I wanted to write a song for everybody that wanted to go their own way. And that's hard to do. And you know sometimes that when you go, you're going to piss a few people off, um, sometimes your family. <laughs> and... Uh, um, there might be nobody in your corner when you get there, um, but you go because deep down you know it's right somehow. So uh, I know I moved here with like $2.15 in my son trust account, something stupid like that, and piled everything in, in the car and, and came out. And that's – it's – it's yeah, it is about my dad being a surgeon and, again, sewing up the heart with different strings. Um, so I really just laid that story out, and it was actually Josh who dropped the hook. He's, I was like, you know – I, I had thrown out a few things similar to it. He's like, I think it needs to be this. And then I was like, well, if that's not it, it's pretty damn close. So we just, we wrote the song from there and, and, uh, yeah, we, everybody contributed to it. wasn't that one guy sat down and jotted it all on a piece of paper and lined it up. It's like everybody had key lines, everybody. So it was a really kind of a cool co-write. Nobody was, was, was idle in it. Um, but yeah, it was. We wanted to write it mostly for people who are listening to it, who can listen to that and be like, "Well, I was supposed to be this, and my parents wanted wanted me to be this, but but I just felt like I needed to do something else." And and I feel like a lot of times, like especially down on Broadway, where you play that one a lot, like there's a lot of people in those bars that are it like clicks. that. Yeah, I, I really, love it. Yeah, like there's some people that they'll play their songs and they're like a slow song, and you just kind of see the bar just go like, "All right, dude, cool, like let's party again." Mm-hmm. But like that's a song. Whenever you pull it out, and the way you gotta it, have the right crowd in the room yes, too. Absolutely. And you also the way you set it up is really nice yeah. too. So whenever you set that song up and then you play it, like you know, I've I've really yet to see it not get a good reaction. Yeah. It was it was last week. There was two two instances last week where that happened. A guy, it was first floor of loops. A guy came up. Man, man must have been. Uh, 70, 71, 72, something. Yeah. Um, and he came up and, and you could tell he'd, uh, he, him and his wife came up me tip and he shook my hand. Um, and he said, I mean, literally all he said was thank you for that. And you can see that he had wiped his tears here in the middle, but he had the trails on the outside that he was, there was another lady. She's from Britain. She's like, how'd your dad and mom feel about that song? And it was kind of cool. Cause my dad picked up the radio waves, uh, Last time I was at uh, WSM 650 yeah. um, singing that song, uh, and um, this is at the radio station now, the opera. I think we're going to be there Wednesday, too, um, at 4.30. But uh, he uh, he picked it up, and he's like, well, it sounds like my son, I guess, but he uh, you could actually go and listen to it online, too. And we had a kind of a cool talk after that, and... I think we're all a lot closer now because of the song. Um, but we were always a close family. It's just, 
you know, sometimes you just disagree with the thing, the way things need to happen. Yeah, right? ab- absolutely. So. And I connect with that song a lot too. I mean, there were a lot of my, a lot of my family members that were skeptical about, you got this radio career in New Jersey. Why are you leaving just packing yeah. up and going to Nashville? I'm like, it's what I feel like I need to do. Yeah. But for you, that feeling, you talk about those, um, those two instances at, at Luke's and the mm-hmm. guy coming up and just saying thank you. And you could see him wipe it, wipe yeah. it underneath his eyes. That's got to be like the most rewarding it's, feeling that's, as that's a writer. in the end. And that's where I know after that happened, there was the time right Right after that, too, this lady was from Britain, and she said, uh, "She said, I don't know, I don't even know who you are, but I'm proud of you." And she was, she was bawling too. And obviously, I'm a big wuss, so I'm crying too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this, uh, but that's like every time something like that happens, I find myself and I just look straight up, and I'm like, "This is why we do it." Like that's, that's the, and there's nothing more rewarding. No amount of money. No, nothing else. That's that one moment is what it's all about. Doesn't matter if it's a, a room of ten or how many. I haven't played for ten thousand yet, but hopefully one day. Yeah. And that's the kind of thing is like you want you want to be looking right into those eyes, and when you see that and you feel that, that's literally the culmination of of making it. At least yeah. to me, that's what music's supposed to be about. Yeah. And I think back to the songwriting thing, taking this whole thing back around, is that when people write a song. It needs to be with the idea, like music. There's there's a therapeutic um, element to music, but it's it's got to be written for somebody out there who who needs some help and who who needs that kind of uh, that power to kind of help them out. Yeah. Now, uh, look who, look who decided to show up? Our video producer extraordinaire, Coda looks Bear. straight like he's about to. His dad's about to sue you if you mess him up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's all he's all decked out, ready for ready for a fun day here in Nashville. Now, speaking of, we got a big week coming up here in mm-hmm. Nashville. Something I've something I've never experienced. Something uh, you didn't experience CMA. I've never been to CMA. Uh, but it's my only my only it's t- a zoo, man. My only times visiting yeah. Nashville for um, my only times visiting Nashville were in the fall, previously before moving down here. Then I moved down here Halloween weekend. So I'd always heard about CMA Fest, and growing up, I was actually telling Dakota last night um, that me and my family, we would like make an event to when they would air the performances at Nissan Stadium. We'd all gather around and watch it together on TV growing up. Now I'm actually here. What is CMA Fest like? Uh, Did you, you were here for the draft, right? Yes. Dude. Yeah, that's so, no. Nah, it's kind of like that. There was a lot of people, but it's just, and again, the, the streets get blocked off, and there's everybody is there for just country music and to get drunk but yeah, country yeah, yeah. music no no now, now for you as a, as a guy that's performing on Broadway and as somebody that, that's doing this for a living you you are a country singer you're a country singer songwriter uh, for you what's it like having that many people in, in your neck of the woods it's for a, this kind of thing it's a really good really good for exposure um, yeah um, I know people come with different preconceptions or sometimes misconceptions but um, of what to expect when they go and see somebody out on stage, um, obviously, if if you've seen live music ever, it's not you know it's not like a record. It's not it's it's different. You've but there's elements that you like you know you want to feel that live energy. And I think that's another thing people probably need to think about before they come here is that it's in the end the best performances, at least for me, are not the ones that are always on key. It's not the ones that that are perfect and every beginning and end to every phrase is just immaculate. It's, it's. He might go a little bit off key, but you that there's a transfer of energy from a singer to somebody in the audience, um, and that's what it is. It's about it's about that that life that you can't explain. 
um, that gets transferred there. And that's, that's, I think, what live music is all about. So, so a lot of people do come, and when they hear a note that's off-key, because they're so used to everything being in line and, and microscoped in a studio that everything's um, tuned up and perfect and everything, um, that's, if I were to say anything to people coming in town, is like, look, look for the soul of the music. That's, that's what live music really is supposed to be all about. We have enough tech now to where we can put enough reverb into something to where it's, it's not going to sound that bad. Yeah. Um, unless you go to the Bluebird. And that, man, I tell you what, like Bluebird, the reason I like it so dry like that too at the Bluebird is because it's, that's, it lays a singer bare. You can't, it's like Whiskey Jam. There's not a ton of reverb. Yeah. But, um, I know at least down on Broadway, they've they've got the gear to really kind of to soak that up. Yeah, it's always no, funny. Yeah. Uh, my old professor for sound, he always said, you know, if you put delay and reverb on suck, it's just going <laughs> to suck longer. <laughs> <laughs> now, you brought up, yeah, now, you brought up the Bluebird there. I have yet to go there. My only knowledge of the Bluebird, and I know this isn't, this isn't good to say when you live in Nashville, is from watching the show Nashville, watching that growing up. Um, what is the Bluebird Cafe like? Um, I've been, I've sang the, the open mic. I've never had an actual gig there. Um, it takes, I know it's, a, it's, there's a process and, or you have to know somebody to kind of get in there to do it otherwise. Yeah, there's like a trial process. Yeah. Usually. Yeah. Um, but playing it was kind of cool. Um, played different or different strings there, which was kind of neat. Um, but it's, it's like when you sing in it, when you have that mic, like it, it sounds even different than what I'm hearing here right now in these headphones. It's, it's just kind of like. Bam! It's slap. It's there. It's it's just that's what it is. But what's cool about it is that he he says um, they always say before just keep in mind this is a listening room. Keep your you know if we'd like you to keep your talking to a minimum. Um, the food there was kind of some of the best chicken tenders I think I've ever had there. Um, but it's it's more of an experience to where you're listening to the song and every once in a while you get some great singers, but you get some killer songwriters in there. Even in the the uh, um, the open mics. Um, but it's it's kind of cool to see in a room packed full of people. It's not a huge room. There's a lot of people in it. Um, and to see all those people just undivided attention. Even, even I know we just got back from the Key West Songwriters Festival. That's even a little bit different than what you get at a true listening room. Yeah, you're the first guy that we've had on since um, that, that went to Key West. That, that um, that's Since Key West that happened. What's the Key West Songwriter Festival like? Because that is on our list of places to go. You, We're going to try to get us three down go. there. Me and, me and Rylan are not going to miss another year. It's, it's a lot of fun. Um, what's interesting down there, too, is that the food is a little bit like... It's about as expensive as it is here, but the liquor is like half expensive. Oh no! Like, like I remember <laughs> I was sitting, that's dangerous. Oh, now I, was, I know why I they do a festival there. there. Yeah. Well, it's like a, it's a week long songwriter social, yeah. and that's where I mean, I I know the calisthenic part down there. That's why I made, I made sure I counted. I wake up every morning at like seven, and I walk down to the park and I, I do a full workout, and then I get started on the rest of the day. And it's it was pretty cool. We didn't even think we were going to play. We just want to go experience it. And then we end up playing five times. Wow. So there's there's like the main rounds and stuff that are put on by like BMI and, and all that. But <clears throat> then there's a bunch of people who get contracted from here. Like Gabby Patrice had had her rounds that all she had to fill the entertainment at a, at Sandbar. We played there. We had um, through Big Vinny and I guess Hasty and Co. They were doing the thing at Mary Ellen's. Um, 
So we ended up, and a lot of people too, they'll have, maybe sometimes they'll have too much fun and they can't do around. You can kind of said, if you go down there and you don't plan to play, always bring your stuff because you might end up knowing somebody and bam, you're, you're on stage playing for, for people that are, that are listening to these songs. So it's, it's kind of neat. Yeah. Yeah. Is that environment, the people that are down there, is that a listening crowd or is it more a party crowd? Um, Because Key West is a hard place to not party. Well, when we, everybody listened to us, like, and that was cool that because it was a songwriters fest, they, they really did listen, which was kind of cool. Now, when me and Ryland went last year, um, we did two weeks on Duval Street and actually did it, did the like Broadway thing down there. That's me and Ryland had met. Um, oh, wait, so for those of you who don't know, Ryland's uh, the guy that plays the fiddle that backs me up. Yeah. Um, great guy, great family. His mom is a saint. An absolute saint. I've ne- I don't think I've met a nicer woman. Even my own mother's not as nice as that woman. <laughs> so, and my mother's a nice lady. Yeah. But um, so we had, had hadn't really known each other. We did whiskey jam in last May for my first one. Then we did the June um, big stage that's going on right now. And then we went to Key West and did two weeks. And that's how me and Ryland started kind of getting everything dialed in. Very different environment there for that than it was for the songwriters festival different crowd but it's very there's 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 a a lot of people drinking down there oh yeah yeah i definitely want to go and uh and check that out someday so you were also mentioned in whiskey jam and that's a place that i've gotten to see uh, i believe tyler's first whiskey jam ever he's been in this town for six years i think you're the only person i remember oh i brought so i brought tyler to his first whiskey jam i've been here not even i've been here for a full month and i've been to like four of these things already six years and you hadn't been Man. Not, uh, five years at this point. Uh, five oh, years, yeah. and he had never been. So it was on Thanksgiving. It was Thanksgiving night. I believe you you were you were playing that one with Ryan. Yeah, 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 yeah. and we he, had just had a full Thanksgiving dinner too. Yeah, and it got, was, <laughs> Ward was Ryland, wearing the turkey hat. Ryland was wearing his turkey pants. The 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 yeah, dark yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, that was rough. Yeah, no, you got up on stage. My and, belt was uh, so tight. Oh, dude, I think all of our belts were tight. I had my first Southern Thanksgiving that day where, with uh, Coda Bear and the, and the Tate family. And Man. I didn't realize that mac and cheese is just a side dish with everything here. Like, I never thought oh, they yeah. had mac and cheese with turkey, but it was freaking awesome. But that show at seeing you at Whiskey Jam, too, uh, what's getting on that stage like for you? That So that stage is not as dry as, like, the Bluebird. But it's, it's, it's one of those things, and I've talked with somebody about this before. It has this, this way of stripping down all the front stuff from an artist and it literally shows them whatever it is with that stage shows them for exactly who they are, which is really kind of cool getting up there. It's not like, you know, when you're, when you're seeing a, a, I've seen a lot of different people on a lot of different stages and there's something about that one that brings something different, um, out in somebody, which is, again, I've seen the same people on different stages and then on that one, and it's there's something magical about it that's pretty cool. And there's um, something magical about that crowd because yeah, it's all that people, crowd is, is it's, all it's it's all people that that know good music. It, yeah. It's all the tours for the most part stay out on Broadway, and you've you've got your locals, you've got people like that's where people find where where the that's a great place for it's the best cross scouting. of a party crowd and a listening crowd. Yeah, that I think I've ever seen. That's the big. If you sometimes you have one, sometimes you have the other, and you have to know how to address and treat each one. But when you get them both, that's pretty cool. Yeah, how'd you meet uh, Ward Gunther? Um, I had been kind of doing the whole process, emailing him and emailing him and emailing him like the way that we do. Yeah, um, to to get in there, and then uh, I finally, I think it was Hunter Price that that got us to shake hands, and then 
Um, I think that's that's kind of where it ended up. And the first one just went really well with the full band. Um, and I know the the band I got was a bunch of guys that again played for Highwire. It was Scarb, Kevin Ogburn. Um, again, the way I went, <laughs> I met Rylan on the fiddle was there was two uh, two spots I had to fill, or I had two names for fiddle. One was a it was a girl that's amazing, and then one was Rylan. And Rylan ended up becoming my best friend, but I, I picked his name out of a damn hat. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> and he's, he's like, man, I thought you went and did homework on me and, and, and see me play before, and you thought I was. And be, I, was, I told him, I was like, listen, I didn't know you were that good. Honestly, the first time I saw you, I walked into Tequila Cowboy and you were playing there. I was like, man, who the heck is this guy? <laughs> he seems like a jerk. <laughs> yeah. So, he's, he's a country ass mother, dude, mother son of a bitch. From right Wichita, Kansas. Like, oh, I mean, Kansas people. Like, <laughs> yeah, they are. But like, he's, he's he's yeah, man. That's, and I'm sure you two have some wild stories from being out and playing gigs together yeah, over some, the years. There's some there's some crazy people. Out I, there I've the seen one, some man. wild moments. We all do. <laughs> they're they're great. Now another another guy that and I had heard this story, I believe through either Tyler or another friend, and. um a guy, uh, um, Aaron Lewis, I believe you uh, had a yeah. conversation with him. Yeah, this man, was in was this of... was in Midtown. So how did that all happen? Um, it was right after, and we finished. We closed the show with a uh, with Quickest Hands, with a full band, um, which is rare for you. We did that. Oh yeah, full band right now is is rare. It's the, when I put a full band together, it's, I don't think it's going to be on Broadway because that's even though everything's mixed really well down there. I kind of want to make sure I'm saving that voice and doing that full band thing for when it's like it's a real so showcase where, so where was this show this was at whiskey jam this was at whiskey jam yeah, so it was the end of the first whiskey jam and he had come in right at the last song they pulled ward aside apparently this is ward telling me this he goes who the hell are these guys and he's like oh it's greg pratt and the band he put together so ward takes me over and and just kind of puts our hands together and it's like y'all make friends greg this is uh this is aaron lewis and i was like oh crap and I had I had this <laughs> moment where I was like, man, I like I don't I don't know if I just crapped my pants a little or something, but it's it's it, this is really cool. And he looked at me, he's like, What's up? Um he's he's like, Listen, I just want to tell you don't ever change a damn thing you're doing. Don't let anybody tell you. Um, but what you're doing is wrong. Don't let them change you. Just do what you're doing and you're gonna be fine. He's, so he's he was really, really complimentary of the whole of the whole kind of thing. I, I know what we do is, is very kind of, it's different as far as what's going on now um, in country, which I'm, I'm happy about, but it's, it's also pretty cool. Cause we don't, we're not trying to be anybody else and, and I'm not trying to be anybody else in who I am. So it, it's really cool to have all that kind of follow through and to have somebody who I respect um, as a, as an artist. Um, and he's again, a guy that he doesn't take any crap. Yeah. yeah, which is awesome. Yeah, um, now, yeah. Now so, for, yeah, for you doing that, tr- doing the traditional stuff, and it's really starting to starting to come mm-hmm. back now for you as a as a guy. Something we do each episode. We have people look on their. I don't know if you're a Spotify guy or what. Where you where you listen to music? Who are some of the people that you're really jamming to right now? Right now, um, a lot of it gets fed to me through Ryland. It's uh, I do have listened to Hardy. That when Ryland started covering the the Rednecker than you song, I started like that's funny. Like that's that's a good song. Um, I listen to, uh, I still listen to a lot of like Waylon, Willie, Merle, Garth, John okay. Cash, the stuff that gets kind of put back on. Um, the uh, I listen to a little bit of Cody Johnson, but I should probably listen to some more. Um, 
Uh, but a lot of the stuff I listen to also, like when I jam out, are my buddies, like Josh Wolf, or I'll listen to to some stuff that Davis Corley, again, that writer, put out an amazing, sonically amazing and organic record a little while ago that if you you really have to listen to it, um, and but it's it's music that that's really amazing and, and enjoyable. Um, but then sonically, when you put it on some good speakers, it's like, wow, it's like, it's it's one of the coolest experiences sitting down and going through that record. Uh, my buddy Mark Adams and Chandler put out a record, um, or uh, he's been putting out a few singles. So I, I really try to like make sure that if I'm jamming to somebody, it's people that you know, yeah, the classics. But yeah, there's people who are making it big right now. But there's a there's a lot of people down there that are so undiscovered and talent that's looked over, <laughs> and that's what I find most enjoyable is knowing these people and then seeing these songs that they put out. Um, and you again, you never know. That's you what's so that's know. what's so cool about Spotify and Apple Music, like the streaming world. I discovered so many so much new music mm-hmm. from from doing that and clicking on different playlists. And maybe not the Spotify playlist, but say like the Raised Rowdy guys. They mm-hmm. put out an awesome that yeah. new country playlist yeah. and, and different things like that. I and, uh, uh, I end up just going to like new music every week on Spotify and on stuff and I go to Genres. I go to the three. I go to country, Americana, and singer songwriter. The Americana scene's really boosting up, dude. Yeah, and they're good. There's a lot of really good people in there. Yeah, that's yeah. such that's such a genre that's big on writing. Mm-hmm. So as a songwriter, that's got to be really cool mm-hmm. to um, and to it check really out. like with Americana, like um, it doesn't have boundaries. <laughs> like yeah. you can, there's no box. Yeah, there is no box. You can be anything from folk, like just acoustic finger picking stuff, all the way to like hard like country rock type stuff and be mm-hmm. labeled Americana which is really cool yeah now something I've noticed with you these boots got a big old Terry right yeah, what's the story these, with these boots these how long are, you had those guys so I actually have had these about a year I think it's been a year um but that's a lot from that tambourine being on there. And again, I'm, they're broken now. <laughs> yeah. So I think I'm just going to tape this up and have them be stage shoes. But like, again, I don't sit when I play. Yeah. It's like sitting at a songwriter round two. Is, it drives me kind of nuts. I just got to have all this energy. I got to move around. It's, and that's my ADHD. I have insane ADHD. Hey, dude, so do so, I. High five. So do I. <laughs> but it's, uh, but this, uh, I actually got these. These are like $350 Dan posts. That there was this guy in Florida. Um, <laughs> it was, I think it was two Christmases ago. Um, he had this posting on this. It's like a neighborhood thing for where you can like put something in this neighborhood group if you're selling it and and sell it to somebody in your neighborhood right down the street. It makes it super easy. It's something they do yeah. a lot down there. Um, and he said, "Man, I only wore these." twice but they're about 12 years old and me and my wife just don't square dance anymore but i've been square dancing in them twice and and i just figured i was i was like okay and i looked them up i was like holy crap these are 350 bucks um this was after i bought them and he asked he asked for for i think uh two ten dollar bills wow <laughs> wow I brought, I brought them back here and started these, wearing them. they're like man wow. these, these were well they weren't like that they were Perfectly new. Well, no, I mean these just the style yeah, of them. Those are the, nice it's boots. Authentic, just yeah, the style. Three, but now they're pretty. They're pretty. I mean, damn they've post got boots. the mileage, baby. Yeah. Damn post boots are good. So, so. But, but it's the, these boots. That's the story. Like the Eric Church song. Like you've got stories wearing these boots, and, and it shows the, the wear and tear. Like you're gigging. Mm-hmm. You're you're a mu- you're a musician that's out there doing it, and these uh, are your kicks that you're, you're rocking around five days a week. So, Greg, you're out on Broadway. 
and somebody doesn't want to tip you money, what alcohol do they tip you? Oh, no. <laughs> Good grief. Not. All right. So this is funny. There was a Canadian that came in. Not There's too long always ago. a Canadian. There are, I say there. They're, I see more Ontario Canadian. They're trying to get you to take us back to Canada is what they every <laughs> single group. And they're all there to party. All right, so I'm, I'm going to get back around to this. I've needed since we're on the subject of Canadians. Yes. There was a bachelor party of Canadians, and uh, this was the first floor of Luke's. Probably the funniest thing I think I've ever seen. Also, and and hats off to this this girl for taking it the right way. This this girl was a two star general that used to run NORAD, and she's <laughs> sitting back there, they're having a good time. Um, hands me a challenge coin. Uh, after I sank Toby Keith, courtesy of the red, white, and blue. And uh, <laughs> these, these Canadian guys have this blow-up doll, and they give this doll to the general and start taking pictures with her. Oh, and I'm like, oh, God. And she took it really well. She, she, but that's, that's like down there, that, that, like those people know how to party. I'm yes. sorry. It's like, um, but uh, so if... There was this one Canadian girl, lovely. She's actually a she um, <clears throat> works in a metabolism lab up in Canada. So she's like she's super smart. But you know, there's a thing where you can't really get up on stage with us because it's a it's a liability thing. If you trip right. and fall and break your neck, then everybody's nailed. So yeah. usually you're not supposed. But she came up before I could say anything. Got right up on stage. And I was just like, whoa, okay. And she hands me this shot of tequila. And and I I looked at the color. I was like, is this what she's like? No, it's tequila. I was like, honey. And she literally sends it. She's like, I'm not getting off the stage until you take that. It's like, oh, my gosh. So I ended up taking it. But if I had, if they don't want to tip me money, I would ask them to tip the bartenders first. And then if you do have to bring up alcohol, um, silver. Tequila, yep. so that might so that every time I feel like I get brought up a, a shot of, of brown tequila, there's another little crack that appears in my soul because it, oh. it just I feel it down down yeah. to that level and it it hurts so bad. No, but, I uh, I know every time I see you and like I'm not working or something, I come see your show. Like I start off, I walk in the bar, and I always try to make it where you can't see me. Oh yeah, I mean I'm I'm tall, so you always end you're up seeing big, me before. You're a big bastard, yeah, yeah. yeah. kind of so, hard to hide. You always you always see me, but like yeah. especially like at Jason's rooftop, like I always try to. There's, like, yeah, there's some, there's some you can be sneaky you can, up you there. You can be sneaky up there, and I try to be sneaky, <laughs> and I try to make it to where the first time you see me, I'm bringing you, and if Rylan's playing with you, just tequila, yep. and I'm like, and I, we've had a. I mean, when I started playing right uh, playing with Rylan uh, musically, and I t- I told him it's like. One thing that I'm really big with is I try to be careful because when you um, start drinking and you're playing, that's that's two things that really need to be. It's it's hard to to do that on Broadway and keep those separated because um, that's part of the that's what you're trying to sell down there. In essence, it's not. And I try to tell people it's not exactly the music business down there. It's the bar business. You're all a team. You you are part of a team. You the busboy, the bartender. Um, Whatever it is, the bar back, the the management, everybody's working together. And when you do that and you work that way, it's a it's a much more amazing place to work because everybody's on the same team. Um, so you you are part of the experience, but the, it's different than going out and having your own show. Um, but 
especially for those people that are out there doing that, it's there's a very fine line where you can drink too much and it can start very heavily impacting the way you play. So I need, I'm always trying to make sure that, you know, and again, Rylan will check me on it. I'll check Rylan on it, that if there's people buying us shots and stuff that we're careful. Um, cause that, that can, there, <laughs> there have been people that have been fired for being, being, you know, a little bit crazy on stage. Yeah. And that'll yeah. Do that. But it's, it's, that's what life's about. Life's about balance, um, and moderation, even moderation and moderation. Sometimes you got to go out and have a great time too, but that's yeah. If there's something to bring up, the thing that impacts me the least would be silver tequila. Yeah. Now, one last thing before we have you break out that guitar and stuff. So when I was in Memphis, I went to a place. So me from New York, I know right the on. South barbecue is huge. Barbecue yep. is a big thing. That Memphis yep. Central Barbecue. Memphis, that's the place to get Central your Barbecue. The sweet barbecue. I in still Memphis. haven't been out there to get it. Central Barbecue. Blows away anything in Middle Tennessee. I got to say, because I've been in East Tennessee, and I've had Calhoun's, and I've had the Firehouse in Johnson mm-hmm. City. I've been to all these cool spots. Oh, I've yeah. been, I've had, um, <laughs> was it Papa Cajos or something out in the middle of nowhere? We went with Jacob, our internet guy, and, and we were getting <laughs> truck parts out of a junkyard in, in some weird part of Middle Tennessee. But but um, Central Barbecue. Now, if you're at Central Barbecue, what are you ordering? Uh, it's, it's the nachos. The nachos are always the best. Um, and there's a few places in Central. Now, that's very different because in North Carolina, I think there's a little bit more mustard base well, or something. North Carolina is split. It's, uh, the east side is all mustard. The west side is all like vinegar based. Yeah. So it's a little bit of, of a kick. Memphis has that sweet barbecue. Yes. Yeah. Central. Central. Like Rendezvous good. I use their dry, more of their dry stack. Like I, I put dry stack on my burgers since I was like 10. Yeah. Um, but and you can buy that stuff in Memphis at the store. Um, they just have dry stack rendezvous seasoning, which is awesome. But that central is a place, and and I would definitely yeah. When I, I was out on the road with uh, with Ethan Willis, and Ethan was like, "Bro, we, we're going to go to Central Barbecue," it's, it's and we great. we were kind of really tight with with sound check and everything. And he was like, "We're going to Central Barbecue," and we went, and it was a great mm-hmm. decision. So if you're ever at Memphis, Tennessee, go to Central Barbecue, get those damn nachos. Now, Greg, where can people find you at? Um, you can find me on Instagram at Greg Pratt Country. That's G R E G P R A double T Country. Um, I do have a website, uh, Uh Music's also on Spotify, and well, it's it's all of the above. Um, I guess transferred through TuneCore, which is a great company. Um, but there, I know there's two projects out. Um, as far as playing out live, uh, there's a schedule I post on Instagram every week. Awesome. And any new music coming soon? Um, we're actually in the process. We're about, we're about to go back into the studio. So there's there's some oh, good yeah. stuff coming through. Awesome, man. Congrats on that. That's huge. Now, we got that guitar over there. What song do you want to play for us today? Man, I'll probably play, play you quick. So what what do you, uh, what, what's, uh, what song That's do you want to play? That's uh, probably Quickest Hands. Quickest sweet. Hands? Ooh, I... sweet. Now, what went into that one? Uh, um... I think it was, I know it was me, Davis, Corley, and Mark Addison Chandler that wrote it. Um, and it was, we needed something that, that was going to be just, just a burner that you could uh, get out there and I can actually do my guitar thing. Um, but we needed kind of a, a song that was that was easy for the audience to kind of get into um, and have a part in. And um, it ended up being really, working out really cool, especially after adding some of Ryland's fiddle to it. Um, yeah, it's a it's a bad it's a badass too. I've seen you play that out live. Well, guys, thank you for listening to episode fourteen. 
Yeah. Episode 14 of In the Round. Wow, we made it to episode 14. Holy cow. We haven't tried to kill each other yet, Tyler. It's been good. <laughs> but, uh, but guys, thanks for listening. Not wherever, that you know of. <laughs> wherever, yeah, wherever, wherever you're listening, make sure you throw a review up there. Hit that subscribe button if you aren't already. Give us a nice little rating if you like it. Remember, uh, at Matt Burrill, at Just a Wandering. Not Wandering. The way he says Wandering, it wandering. sounds like Wandering. With his wandering, damn South Tyler. Alabama oh, accent. Whatever, man. Sounds like he's wandering all the time. <laughs> and, uh, Shout out to the Coda Bear for taking all the good pictures and videos. Showing up a little late today, but we're going to work Looking on like that. Looking like his dad's about to sue you. Yeah, no, but we're hope you guys uh, enjoyed this one. Now, without further so Greg, ado, oh, geez. I do want to say this. Greg, you have one of my favorite toasts, and this is how I want to end the episode. Which one? Tell us about how we're all going to go to heaven. Oh. <laughs> what is it? When we drink, we get drunk. We get drunk, we get sleepy. We get sleepy, we fall asleep. Hopefully, while we're asleep, we're committing no sin. Commit no sin, we hopefully go to heaven. So let's all get drunk and go to heaven. Oh, boy. <laughs> hopefully not today. <laughs> Without further ado, here's Mr. Greg Pratt with Quickest Hands on In the Round. Gun, Memphis side of Mississippi Wore a black bandana on his neck And a scar across his lip He was a black-hearted man Born with a slick six in his hand Word spread round across the towns That outlaw needed killing Some white-hat cowboy headed out Threw down on that villain With a flash of a holy light That bullet fell between them evil eyes You see, it ain't about the biggest man But who's got the quick Kissed. Hands up, get in that double time Keep up, looking at your can Hands up, do it like do or die Who's got the quickest hands? Hands up, get in that double time Keep up, looking at your can Hands up, do it like do or die Who's got the quickest hands? It ain't about the biggest man But who's got the quickest hands? That cowboy shared my name He lays buried on our land And I lived my whole life through Trying to prove I got his hands But I don't need no gun Just a six-string and a loving you see, it ain't about the biggest man, but who's got the quickest? Hands up, get it out, double time, keep up, looking at your can. Hands up, do it like you or die. Who's got the quickest? Hands, hands up, get it out, double time, keep up, looking at your can. Hands up, do it like you or die. Who's got the quickest? Hands, it ain't about the biggest man, but who's got the quickest? Up, get in that double time, keep up. Looking at your can, hands up, do it like do or die. Who's got the quickest? Hands up, get in that double time, keep up. Looking at your can, hands up, do it like do or die. Who's got the quickest? Hands, it ain't about the biggest man, but who's got the quickest? Hands?